0: Good morning everyone, both in this building and those who are unable to make it, including Jess, one of our own, who didn't quite get it back across across the Queensland border from New South Wales uh, by the time and therefore had to stay at home for 14 days. And thank you uh, to those in our church family who have already signed up to help provide her with some meals uh, during this time. So our theme for our Christmas series this year has been A Better Christmas, Why the real Christmas is so much better than what we see day to day as we walk around in this town. We're going to open up in prayer and ask God that he would add his blessing to his word, that we might see and be in wonder of what he's done. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus. We thank you that Christmas is a time of hope and joy. And that hope and joy is found in what you have done for us in Christ. We pray that we might see that. We pray that we might be in awe of that wonderful gift that you have given. And even in such a way that exceeds that of a little child on Christmas morning. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you that we need you. We thank you that you provided for our deepest need in Christ. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 2020. I don't think it's going to go down as anybody's favourite year. You could say it's been a bit of a dark or a gloomy kind of a year. And as we come to the end, I think everyone would be looking for something by way of joy, happiness, celebration. And when we come together in a group like this on a Christmas day, there's two questions that everyone asks, especially towards little kids. And those two questions are, what did you get? And who gave it to you? Because this whole experience of giving gifts at Christmas is wrapped up in three elements. There needs to be a giver, there needs to be a gift, and there needs to be a recipient. And it's the combination of how each of those three elements work together which make that experience far more valuable. For example, when it comes to the giver, if it's someone who's close to you, someone who you love dearly, or someone who you esteem to be important, that adds significantly to the value of receiving a gift from that person. When it comes to the gift, if it's something that you really wanted, if it's something you enjoy or if you're really fickle, if it's just something that's worth a lot of money, then that adds to the experience of receiving the gift. But even as the recipient, there's the questions of, did I even expect to receive something from that person? And if I did expect to receive something from that person, did it exceed my expectations? And if it did, again, it adds to the experience of receiving the gift. Now we didn't come here this morning so we could all weigh up and evaluate the quality of the gifts that we received this morning if we've opened them yet, but rather why the real Christmas, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come into this world, not only gives us a better Christmas, but gives us a better gift. And so we'll be looking at the better giver, the better gift, and then we'll be evaluating that gift. Is it a good thing? Do we receive this gift as a sanctuary and a refuge or an offence and a stumbling block? So this better giver. Now we've already said, the more important that somebody is to you, the more we value receiving a gift from them. Now during the week I was watching the 2010s music special on Spicks and Specks and there was an element there where they had a video clip of Beyonce where for a small section of that clip, she was out the front of a suburban Melbourne home. And they said that home went on to sell exceedingly beyond what they expected to just because it featured in that video clip. The house didn't belong to Beyonce. She just merely stood out the front, did a little dance, had a little sing at some point. And for somebody, the fact that she was once there, it to them, in their mind, increased the value of buying that house. But the better giver of the better gift is far more important, far more valuable than whoever you might perceive to be the most important person in your life. Far more important than your family members, far more important than your best friends, and certainly far more important than Beyonce. But not only that, your closest friends, your family only exist because the better giver gave them life, created them. He gave them the personality that you have fallen in love with. He gave them the gifts and talents that you love. But not only did he do that for those who are closest to you, he's created everybody. He's created every single thing. He is infinitely powerful. He's infinitely good. He's infinitely loving. Isaiah, who we've just heard read from the Bible, who was a prophet who wrote about seven hundred years before Jesus came, said in chapter six, verse three, "The whole earth is full of His glory." What he's saying there is that everything you see and the beauty around you is given for the purpose that you might see something of the awe and wonder of the God who created those things. And when you think about someone like this, you think, man, that that is way out of my league. There's no way that person would have anything to do with me, let alone give me a gift. But the reality is, every single one of you have received gifts from him. The fact that you are breathing right now is the breath that he has given you. The rain that we enjoyed in this week just been is a gift that he's given to all of us. In fact, every single thing that has ever brought you joy in this life is because he created it, He gave it to you, for you to enjoy it and for you to see and be in awe and wonder of the God who created these things. There is no better giver, and he gives the better gift. But I want you to think for a moment, if there is an infinitely powerful infinitely good and loving god what would you perceive to be the ultimate gift he could give you now our greediness might lend our minds to think well a couple of mil wouldn't go astray a few houses some nice fancy cars and if he's infinite in everything that he has it's not like he's going to suffer loss if he gives me a few mil." And if we were to turn around, we're not going to, and ask one another what would be the best gift we could ever receive, we'd discover that we'd have different answers. You might even hear someone tell you what they would like and you're like, really? I wouldn't even want that from my grandma. If you could have anything, why would you want that? We don't desire the same things. Let me illustrate that for a moment. This L.H. Torana, 1974... Is currently on car sales for $165,000 if you care to go ahead and purchase it. Now, if I was to wake up and I found that in my driveway as a Christmas present, I would think that was a wonderful present. Now, on the other hand, if that was in our driveway and I said to my wife, there is your Christmas present, (laughs) there would not be the same degree of excitement. She'd say, why have you bought me a stupid 40-year-old car that's got no cruise control or an air-conditioner? why is not everyone excited about the same gift? Because it does not meet a universal need or a universal desire. But God, who is the better giver, who gives the better gift, that is for everyone. That does actually meet a universal need. Now Isaiah, who wrote these words that we read beforehand, writing some 700 years before Jesus was born, he describes the setting in chapter 8, verse 22, saying, They will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. And now you think, wow, Steve, you're really bringing the Christmas joy here this morning. Look at that. Or on the other hand, you might think, man, that's a 2020 verse, if ever I've heard it, gloom, darkness and anguish. And sometimes when people talk about 2020, they speak about it as though it's unusual or it's out of character. I mean, sure, it's true to say that we probably have had more negative things happen this year than most of the years around it. But if I was to be morbid, and I'm not going to do it, I could go through the last 20 years and every year and point out all the dark and desperate things that happened in those years. It's common to human experience that life has hardship. Struggle, moments of darkness. It happens all the time. It is common. The reason that Isaiah gives for the context that he's just described in chapter 8, he says, because the people did not honour God, they did not honour his word. And it's nice to think, well, that's centuries ago, that's got nothing to do with me. But it's not an experience that is specific to a particular time and place. Paul, writing in the first century in the New Testament to a church in Rome, describes this as being characteristic of all mankind. He says, For although they knew God, now he's previously just said that everyone knows there is a God of infinite power because God has made it known to them. Although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, See the pathway there? It says, Where God is ignored or where God is dishonoured hearts will be darkened. When people have darkened hearts their desires will be darkened and they will do dark things. Now I'm going to surprise my mother-in-law right now which I've now got her attention. I'm going to quote my mother-in-law in this sermon because she said something during this week which was very profound that actually was the best Summary I've heard in a while as to what's wrong with this world. She said, what's wrong with this world is everybody does what they want. Everyone says, nobody tells me what to do. And that's a pretty good summary of what's wrong with this world. Everyone does whatever they want and says, no one tells me what to do. In other words, everyone lives like I am the king of the universe. Which means we've got a world full of people doing whatever they want. If they're not honouring God, their hearts are darkened, and whatever they want will be dark things. You know, in workplaces, if there's no one in charge and everyone decides they're in charge, it's not ultimate freedom, it's it's chaos. I often watch the news, and I guarantee you, every time you watch the news, there'll be some horrific thing that somebody has done. And I ask the question, why? Why would a human being do that? And you know what? The answer is exactly the same every single time, because they wanted to, because it's what they desired to do. It's what they thought was a good idea. Even the most horrific things of people who would not honor God, whose hearts were darkened, will do dark things. We shouldn't be surprised. Now you and I might not have done anything horrific that will make ourselves to the 6 o'clock news but there are pretty clear indications that there's something wrong with our heart. Like if I was to give you a top 10 list of people who have sabotaged my happiness and my getting on in life at the top of that list is me. think, why? Like if anyone's going to be a fan of me and do things for me, it should be me. I hurt people I love. I do things that actually stop me from getting ahead to do the things that I should be doing. We're broken. There's a darkness. And what's the solution to the darkness? Well, we discovered this during the week. I don't know about you guys, but we had a blackout with one of the storms. When you have a blackout at night, the first thing you instinctively do Is to find a source of light. The first thing you do, like these days, you grab your phone and turn the light on that. And Isaiah, who's just described the darkness and gloom of the people, says in verse 2 of chapter 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. So what is this better gift, this great light that frees us from darkness? He describes it in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What is this better gift that frees us from the darkness? A child? A child? It's the same child that he's described a couple of chapters earlier when it said, behold, the virgin will give birth to a son and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God has come into this dark world. And the Son, the person of Jesus Christ, the one who himself and John refers to as the light of the world, He came into our darkened world darkened by our refusal to honour him not to give us what we deserve but to give us the better gift. It says, for to us for our benefit this child is born. A people who have dishonoured him and deserve to be punished. He desires to restore and rescue from darkness. And he comes to bear our penalty on the cross to be raised again and one day will return again. One of the most famous parts of the Bible speaks about this gift in this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. So the gift is... God has given his one and only son that whoever believes would be saved from their darkness, would be rescued. But he says the problem is the light has come. Yet some people prefer their darkness. Jesus Christ is the best gift from the best giver and it's a gift which is for everyone. As the angels announce it to the shepherds, they say, Fear not, for behold, I give you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. What's the good news of great joy for everyone? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. The better gift has been given by the better giver. The question is have you or will you receive the gift? What do you make of the gift? Is it a sanctuary or is it an offence? If it really is the perfect gift for everybody why doesn't everybody want it? That's a pretty good question. Why would anybody refuse? Let me illustrate with a hypothetical example and it is entirely hypothetical, don't make too much of it. Imagine I was to make a vaccine and no this isn't pro or anti-vaccine, just go with a hypothetical and if you got this vaccine it means you would never get sick of any form whatsoever, you would never age, you would never fail at anything, everything would be perfect you would never die, 100% success, no side effects whatsoever guaranteed now if I was to make that freely available do you think I'd get 100% uptake? no I wouldn't I guarantee you, I wouldn't, even though everything about it says that's good. I would not get 100% uptake. Either because some people just not trust that the claims are true, even if the product actually did exactly what it said, or it just seems too good to be true. And what will happen is some will take it, they'll receive all of the benefits, they'll be rescued from the things that it is designed to rescue them from. But others... Same thing. You will think, "I don't want it, or I don't. I don't trust it," and they won't receive the benefits. They will still be left with the consequences that it came to rescue them from. The same could be said of the good gift of Christmas. There are two different responses, which the prophet Isaiah said in chapter eight. He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling. This Jesus will either be a refuge, a sanctuary, a blessing, a wonderful gift, but that same good gift others will perceive to be an offence, a stumbling block. He could be the very best gift if received. John says in his opening chapter, all who received him, he gave the right to be called children of God to be sons, children of God, to be in relationship with the one who is the author of life and all blessing that we were designed to be in relationship with. But on the other hand, others will find the notion offensive. What do you mean there's another king? If there's another king, that means I'm not king, I don't like that idea. And as a result of that, they forfeit the means of blessing and they remain in the position where everything he came to save them from, they are still within. He is the best gift from the best giver, our saviour, our sanctuary, our king. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. This is the better Christmas. This is the better gift. Let's give thanks to God. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given us the best gift. Even though we hadn't honoured you and we don't deserve to receive anything from you, we thank you that you are a God who loves to restore and to give good gifts. We thank you that good gift is freely available anytime to anyone. And we thank you for all those who will receive that gift as they hear, hear it taught at Christmas services all around the world. We pray that many would find you as they read your word in the Bible and know the awe and wonder of Christmas. Ask in Jesus' name. Amen.